that we're in a course. What's the, what's the, what's the course? Holy Calling. Holy Calling. Um, and this semester, particularly, we we kind of we hit um, discernment last week, right? And then we're gonna eventually be hitting celibacy, and then we're gonna hit kind of like career and like life on mission afterwards. But today is the dating talk, dating slash marriage talk. So that is why we brought in the heavy hitters. So uh, here we go. Good luck. All right. I think all right, it's yours working. Are you on? Am I on? Hey, Carmen. No. Oh, we got you. All right, now we're we're ready. We're live. We're definitely talking about marriage, and like and dating. But okay, because otherwise we need to like get to the end quick. Um, but can I can I talk about uh, rental cars first? Okay, so, la- well, two, we- two weeks ago, I mean, this was crazy, we, we were down for in Naples for the SPO board retreat, and so I ordered the rental car, and I got the Corolla, obviously, because Corolla's a great car. They ran out of Corollas, so they brought me the car that they wanted us to drive, which was an Audi A4, so we were like, thank you very much, this thing's got a little, got a little hop to it, so that was awesome. Brent, that was cool. You guys like that? <laughs> well, then I was in Texas, and I took my nine-year-old last week, and when I was renting the Corolla, I noticed that there was a deal for seven more dollars a day. So for twenty-one dollars, I could get a Mustang. Oh, and I was like, he's gonna, he's gonna like go crazy if I get him a Mustang. Twenty-one dollars for David? Yes. Okay. So we show up, and they were like, we get to the parking garage, and they're like, oh. Sorry, we're out of sports cars. It's going to be a couple hours. Um, the closest thing, ha- thing we have is that Tesla over there. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, David, do you want a Tesla? He's like, everywhere we drive, what do the kids say whenever they see? Tesla. Every, every Tesla. I mean, it's like a race. Like, they are so obsessed. So we're, <laughs> David and I, we, he's like, Dad, I just want to drive the Tesla. Like, let's just drive. Like, we're driving everywhere, and he's figuring out all the controls. I mean, have you driven one of these things? It has got some get up. It is so, it was so fun. Um, we, uh, he's controlling everything. He knows the computers. He knows how to find the charging stations. He knows how to do the display. He, he like, he's doing the, everything. It's so fun. We, we drive about 800 miles in three days. I mean, we really like circle Texas. We had a blast. Um, a lot of, you know. We, uh, we're going to get the last charge on the way to the airport, okay? So it's two hours before our flight takes off, 9.30, flight's at 11.30. We're, we're going to have to stay for about a half an hour for this charge. And right when we're getting close, I notice, oh, there's a Starbucks. That would be sweet to get us a coffee and a hot chocolate for David. So we go, I'm thinking let's leave the car running. And David's thinking let's lock the car on that. So we get out and then the little mirrors go beep, beep. And the car is locked, and there's the key sitting right there. We're two hours from our flight, and I was just like, "No, <laughs> like you can't get a locksmith. There's no like, there's no way into this thing. I mean, it's like a like a vault." So I call. I like it takes me like 20 minutes to get a hold of someone. Finally, someone at Avis is like, "Okay, well, we'll send a locksmith." I'm like, "Oh no, that's not what we need." He's like, and I'll also send an email to Tesla. That's all I can do, and maybe they can do a remote. Um, Start. I was like, you don't have like an extra key or something? We're 15 minutes from the airport. Nothing. So we, st- we just sit on the curb. We got our coffee and our hot chocolate. We, we, we sit on the curb. It's 10 o'clock. So we have 90 minutes. I was like, David, we need, this, we need these doors open in 30 minutes or we're going to miss our flight. There's no way we can. And so we just start like sitting, hanging out. I'm like really wrecked because it's Bernadette, our seven-year-old's birthday. She's turning eight. We have to go home from dinner for dinner. And we're going to miss our flight and get, you know, rescheduled and everything. It's going to cost $500. And we just start praying. And I hear, beep, beep. the windows open. It's open 1029. One minute before we needed to go. Can you believe that? One minute? We, we hauled to the airport. We ran to the airport. We made our flight. Um, marriage? <laughs> it's a, I mean, honestly, it's like it's like you think you're getting a Corolla, but you're getting a Tesla. Like it's amazing. Like it's so amazing, right? Okay. Um, but just like the really fast review, um, this this is my longest section of the talk. Okay, so we're <laughs> the Tesla section. This is the start of the talk. So we have this universal call to holiness. This is amazing that God has called each of us in our baptismal. Um, 
identity, to be holy, to be sons and daughters. And he gives us that grace. And he needs his world back. And he needs the laity, us all, to say yes to whatever our call is. To be married, to be religious, to be priests. And if we say yes fully, then we're going to transform the world, brothers and sisters. That's just what I want to say. If we say fully yes, like Tommy, you were sharing about your, uh, your buddy. Like that, that's what's going to start happening in every sphere. Because Christendom's done. The values of Christian, Christianity are gone. We need to bring it back in every sphere. And so we have to say yes, okay? So that's the universal call to holiness. And we each have a specific call. You've been given um, specific gifts and strengths and weaknesses and desires and hopes. And God wants to take all of those and, and like increase them so that you chase him in your particular call, which I think you guys have talked about. And that, that's going to be lived out in one place, which is going to be marriage or religious life or celibacy or priesthood. And what we're here to say, we're, and then you need to say yes to it. And that's what discernment was about. So I'm doing like a quick review. John is saying, so discernment is about saying what? Yes. yes. Like saying yes to whatever you want to give me. Whatever you have for me. And I, 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 we just want to share that if you say yes, you're going to be so happy. And God is going to be so glorified. In your vocation, you're going to most fully know his love and, and how to love him. You're going to most fully know how to love others and love the world and, and to love them. Okay, so that's what's going to happen. So when you, if you're called to marriage, and again, I'm saying this is a call, vocare, like yes to that call, it becomes a sign. I think that's like the first, that it's like intro and the next point in your outline. We didn't get outlines on this side, or we don't, maybe, yes, we, what, we did? Okay, we're good? Okay. Um, there's a few words on those outlines. You don't need them. They, they didn't get outlines over here. Look. <laughs> Marriage is a sign, okay? Just like, just like God giving us a Tesla, that was just like a little itty-bitty sign. Like, I love you. Just like me, $21, David. Just a little sign. I love you. It's just pointing to this deep, deep love that I have for him. And God gives us the sacrament of marriage to, to, as a sign for the world of a few things. A sign of his covenant, okay? The faithfulness that we have with one another radiates the faithfulness, the love, and the enduring mercy and kindness that he has for his people and he calls us to have for one another. It is a sign of, of his love, his personal, his exclusive, his chosen, his emotional, his uh, near love. That's what we experience in marriage. And we experience that love and we radiate that love to the world. It's a sign of self-gift. I mean, when the whole, you've heard it said, when the whole of the gospel summed up, it is summed up with this phrase, this is my body. Have you heard that? Like, like this is it. This is my body. This is my son. I'm going to send him for you and I'm going to give him totally... Marriage is a total self-gift. Here is my body. Here is my life. Here is my time, emotions, um, dreams, hopes, failures, sufferings, joys. It's, here it is. It's all given. Self-gift. All these signs, do you, do, you, do you see these signs? They all point to the relationship that God the Father wants to have with his sons and daughters and the kind of deep relationships that we're supposed to have with one another. So marriage is a sign and we get to experience that and shine that forth to the world. What else is marriage? We want to share some of the beauties of the vocation of marriage. There's so many things. I mean, we have, like, a lot more we wanted to say, but John gave us a time limit. Um, marriage is a healing experience. It's an opportunity for us to better understand the Father's unconditional love, his mercy, and that particular experience of being chosen. We know that there's challenges in marriage also. We're going to share a few of those ahead. But I wanted to share a story from the family I grew up in. So some of our stories are going to be here, and some of them are going to be from our growing up experience. I grew up, as John said, I'm from Minnesota. From Vikings, school bikes, yeah. I'm from a small town. My family's Norwegian. We're like, don't really talk about things with each other very much. I don't know if any of you grew up like that. Um, so as I got older and, and grew in Christian maturity and entered into an environment like this, sharing vulnerably with my brothers and sisters and sharing vulnerably with the Lord was like very uncomfortable. So it's something that I really had to choose to grow in. 
And the Lord worked a lot through my sisterhood, through household, through formation small groups. There were so many moments where the Lord worked. But really, in the vocation of marriage, there has been tremendous healing in this. Learning to share with Andrew on a deeper level. When we first got married, he actually, he obviously he knew this about me. <laughs> so the first year of our marriage, he actually, every night, would say, okay, tell me something vulnerable. And I would have to share something vulnerable. <laughs> and it sounds funny, but like, I actually really needed to do that. And I did it. And what I experienced was, he was still committed to me. And he still loved me. And that was really powerful. This depth of relationship that we have in the vocation of marriage is such a gift. And it so often mirrors relationship with the Lord. I cannot tell you how many times I'm in a small group with other married women. How many times in small group myself or one of the other women will be sharing about what's going on in our prayer time. And then we're sharing about what's going on. Um, in our family life or in our marriage, and it's like, uh, do you see the same thing is happening? Like, maybe I'm putting a wall up in my relationship with Andrew. And they're like, well, what's the Lord saying about that? And I'm like, uh, I think I'm putting a wall up with him too. Or <laughs> maybe there's like a new season of fruitfulness in our marriage, and like something's happening in our family, and then my prayer time, like the same thing's happening so many times. Marriage really mirrors what the Lord's about. So healing. Um, I could go on and on with stories as well. Um, I, I want to say that marriage is so inspiring. When you're married, it's so inspiring. And we, and we um, I, I come home from work sometimes, and like, she's, she's gone. Like, there's, there's no one home. It's like, where are they? Like, I looked, there was nothing on the calendar, and then, they pull up a few minutes later, and I was like, who are you delivering a meal to? Like, I know it, I know it. She's found somebody, she's taking a meal because she found out they were sick or having a bad day, and so she's cooking up a storm, and, and like, that's just like crazy inspiring, because like, we live a full life, and um, you go way above and beyond to love others, and you inspire me to, to not count the cost. And that's like so inspiring, you get to see someone day in, day out, living generously, it's it's crazy inspiring. And you inspire me to like stand firm. And I'm like giving the talk to you. Like um, Carmen inspires me to like stand firm on our convictions that I waver on. To like not just be worldly or just kind of put a Catholic spin on the American dream. She like drills down like no, no, no. No, we were convicted about this thing and we're going to stay strong on it. So inspiring. Another beauty of marriage is the complementarity that we experience. We're, like, pretty different, and it's not just, like, you know, we all know man, woman, but, like, personality and different characteristics, like, we're really different. So one of us is more cautious, the other is more rash, one of us is... <laughs> I wasn't going to say who. One of us is more... It depends on what it is. Okay. <laughs> that's true, that's true, that's fair. Okay, one of us is more of, like, an internal processor, one of us is more of a... One of us is maybe a little more intentional, the other is maybe a little more impulsive, doesn't matter who. Um, <laughs> That's not a <on> note. But seriously, there's so many things that we're just constantly discerning and decisions we're making and figuring out how to lead our family. And it's not always clear what we should do. And it's not always a right or wrong decision that we're trying to make. We're just trying to figure out what our family needs and what they need right now. Um, and so being able to kind of balance each other out and look at the same situation out here from our different perspectives has really helped us to be able to navigate a lot of things. We were just, this past year, had an opportunity to serve in our parish with this program we're doing. And we're kind of like going back and forth. It's like not that big of a deal, but it's like kind of a big deal because it's a lot of time. And it's an opportunity for mission, but we're on mission a lot. And it was kind of going to bless our family. It was some sacramental prep for one of our kids, but we actually had like three other things we were doing for sacramental prep. So we're kind of looking at it and trying to figure out. And I mean, I cannot tell you how many different ways we looked at this one situation. And in the end, we made a decision to do it, and it's been a blessing for our daughter who's receiving her sacraments and some opportunities to be on mission together. But 
What's awesome about it is that because we navigated it together and we looked at all these different decisions and we brought our different gifts and we brought these different parts of our personality into the decision, is that this one decision, which really isn't that big of a deal, you know, you go to something, you make a decision, but it's great, but not every time is great, right? You've had that experience. So we go and it's like, okay, that was, it was all right, but we made the decision to do it together and we knew that we were doing something for our family together. And so being able to stand there together and make those decisions has been a blessing. I think that the complementarity thing is really key. I'll just be real vulnerable because I'm a little more vulnerable. Like when I was, (laughs) when I was like discerning like, okay, am I going to, you know, get pursue marriage and I started like looking at like girls who are more like me and I this is kind of weird but it was kind of like I wanted to like date me like I kind of wanted like my sets of like strengths and weaknesses and uh, you need to and I, I don't know if that makes sense I just felt like I was supposed to say that like hey you're supposed to compliment one another you're not just supposed to find like another person that's exactly like you now that being said there's really, it's really key that there's this common vision that you share. And I think it's the, the most important thing as you're um, discerning who you would share the rest of your life with, this vision for spirituality, life, and mission. Um, it's really key that you are going to be able to work well together because marriage is like a really, it's like a big project. I mean, it's like lots of decisions, lots of work, lots of uh, like challenges. And... You also do, you do need to be emotionally and physically attracted to one another. I mean, that's, but that usually goes first. But the thing is, is that kind of stuff comes and goes. And we grow old together. And um, we're still beautiful. But, you know, 14 years in or 30, yeah, uh, 13 years in. And um, it's 12 and a half. And, but, it's, but that vision, that working to well another, being attracted is all really, really, really key. But, guys, something's gone wrong. Like, this is all good and fine, right? But, like, what's gone wrong? Like, why don't all marriages have the kind of unity and, and fruitfulness that a strong Catholic radical family on mission has? What, why are divorce rates in the Catholic Church not that different than divorce rates uh, in the culture? Why is there so much marriage counseling, people that can't work through things? Why is there addiction to pornography and masturbation? Why is... Uh, why is there all this negative humor, even among like radical Catholics, about marriage? It's because it's hard, there's, and it's under attack by the evil one. It's a little messy. Yeah, so we want to share a little bit about that messiness, not to be like negative like Andrew was talking about, but because our experience is that it's actually been in the messiness that we have experienced that call to holiness that you've been talking about, that universal call to holiness, come to life. There's been opportunities to experience God working powerfully in our lives. Um, so as we were preparing for this talk, Andrew and I spent a little bit of time praying about what the Lord might want us to say about marriage. And I had an image, and the image was an oak tree. And I was kind of like, uh an oak tree, like, maybe we go with, like, a Christmas tree or a palm tree or something a little bit more exciting to talk about, like, my life, my whole life, you know? But the Lord really, like, confirmed, like, this is an oak tree. And I think there was something really intentional about him picking something so ordinary. We've all seen, like, an acorn. There's a few families on my street um, that are friends of ours, and they got some free oak trees, from the city of Columbus a few months ago. I mean, they're like seriously like a stick in the ground right now. They're not impressive, right? But what are these going to grow into? They're going to grow into a giant oak tree. And looking at an oak tree, it looks pretty ordinary still, right? You guys are like, what is it going to grow into? There's got to be something better than an oak tree. It's an oak tree. But an oak tree is one of the strongest woods. And actually in the Bible, an oak tree is used multiple times. And what it's used to to represent is sturdiness and stability. 
And actually, like in cultures and civilizations for all time, the oak tree has been something that was supposed to not only mean stability and strength, but it was supposed to mean honor. And it was supposed to be about provision. And it was supposed to be healing. The oak tree is supposed to be something important and big and strong. But at first glance, it looks pretty ordinary. And that's what we want to communicate about marriage. Marriages are meant to be strong and stable. They're meant to grow, but that growth takes a lot of time. The vocation of marriage, I'm thinking like, what do I do in my vocation? As we've been working on this talk, it's like, make uh, dinner, do dishes, laundry, um, we mow the lawn, you're supposed to work, we pay the bills, like most when the, when of the, it. When the dryer's broken. When the dryer's in February, broken. Luckily, it's a sunny February. Praise God. For three weeks, all the laundry's on the clothesline, right? <laughs> yes, lots of different things. So I don't mean to like describe or paint a picture of like boring vocation to marriage. Or there's nothing more. There's lots of awesome parts of our marriage. But so much of the vocation to marriage is a call to faithfulness and a call to selflessness, which is found in these ordinary moments. I don't know if any of you are fans of St. Jose Maria Escriva. Yes. yes. Okay, great. Me too. Um, I just love him because I think he's such a saint who speaks to the lay people. But he says there's something holy, something divine hidden in the most ordinary situations. And it's up to each one of you to discover it. There is no other way. My daughters and sons, either we learn to find our Lord in ordinary, everyday life, or we shall never find him. In marriage, we learn that another person can't fulfill you. It's not butterflies and sunshines all the time, some of the time. It's a lot of time. A lot of the time. A lot of the time for us. Um, but we're just two broken people uniting our lives together, right? So we're not perfect. I can still find myself being surprised, like, that I had an expectation of Andrew that I didn't know I had. And all of a sudden I feel hurt or disappointed because he doesn't know what I'm thinking or he doesn't know what I want or he's... Not one of my sisters in my small group who would give me a woman's perspective. <laughs> That's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> but in truth, really, we have learned that brotherhood and sisterhood are far more important than we would have first thought. And they take a lot more intentionality in marriage. Yeah, so... You can't, we're in the fill in the blanks if you're still on this, you can't hide your flaws. There's just, there's like nowhere to hide. We, we mess up a lot and we have to apologize a lot. And that's like re really humiliating. And like when I was sitting in your seats right now, I was like writing me off right now. Like, dude, I got this. Like, I, I, I got like a pretty good, a good handle on my life and I'm going to be great. And that, that's, it's not been the case. Um, when one of these expectations that was missed was on Saturday. And we were, you know, like, I, I traveled half of January, and then there was a bunch of stuff happened in the beginning of February, and then I was on this trip with David in Texas, and then I was about to go to New Jersey on Monday, and on Saturday, we kind of, like, blacked out this day, like, we're not going to do anything. We cannot do anything on Saturday, and we're going to, like, do chores, we're going to have the kids, open the Lord's Day together, we're going to have a date night, and I, I, like, we got done with dinner, and I just, like, fell apart. I just was absolutely gassed. Like, I just kind of hit, my tank was empty, and I was just like, babe, I'm, I'm like, pretty gassed. I, I, I need to go to bed. <laughs> and she's just like, oh, like, this, this was going to be, like, our time together. And, you know, and then as, it, as she was hitting it, I'm, like, battling this tired, and you're like, dude, just, like, man up, go, like, we went to Valen Dude's Day, like we can, you know, like you can stay up, and you can do anything, and I'm just like at the end of, and uh, and and then I go into this spiral of self condemnation, and this is my thing, and I'm like, man, I'm such a bad husband, and I'm not taking care of my kids, 
And I've made these choices about work and mission that have jeopardized us. And now I'm here out of gas, not able to like uh, pursue and honor this amazing Tesla of a woman that I've married. And like, I, it's, it's, uh, it's, and so I'm spiraling. I can't get out. I can't snap out of it. And so, and she sees it and I'm just like, sorry, honey, I'm like, I'm battling self-condemnation. Like, this is humiliating. Like, and then we, we go to bed, you know, it's like 9 p.m., like, we wake up the next day, and I'm, like, all energized, like, hey, I'm back, I'm ready. But, like, guys, you can't hide your flaws. And you pass your strengths and your weaknesses onto your kids. And it's harder to be transformed and to grow in virtue after you're married than before. The reason it is is because things move more quickly, and every one of your sins and flaws hurts someone else. And that's so painful. It's like double. It's like hurting them and it's hurting you because it's hurting them. And it's just like, and I'm not saying this is scary. I'm just saying like, guys and gals, like we got to work on our virtue and grow in our virtue now and our character because it's going to come out some way sideways later. In marriage, God's way is better than our way. So the ideal of marriage can unintentionally outshine the depth of the vocation. Say that again. The ideal of the marriage can unintentionally outshine the depth of the vocation. I think there's a lot of Christian or Catholic celebrities, if you will, out there. You probably can picture some in your head. Beautiful, famous, got lots of money, perfect family, perfect spouse, perfect kids, perfect house, perfect podcasts, books, you know, you can kind of picture perfect home improvement show. I'm not trying to put these people down. I hope, I hope that how perfect they look is actually really close to the experience of their lives. I really hope that. So this is not meant to be judgmental towards them. It's about us, right? Yeah. It's about us. Yes. But just to say that the call to marriage, we experience and we think most people experience, is actually filled with a lot of unexpected circumstances and surprises that are far from perfect. And don't get me wrong, I think God does want us to dream. He wants us to be creative. He wants us to use our gifts. He wants us to have exciting plans for our future. He wants us to think about what, what, how can we serve the church? How can we be about giving of our family, giving of our lives? But he also knows better then we do what we need to be holy. Yeah. In marriage, God finds a particular way to invite us into that. So many things, so many things are beyond our control. And we have to surrender to his will in a deeper way. And it's like everything in my life I have to surrender to a deeper will, but it's also everything in his life and everything in the lives of each of our kids. We have to just give up control. I shared a little bit about my family growing up. So what we lacked in how we expressed our love for one another verbally, we made up for in loving each other in a lot of other ways. So my family was actually really awesome. I just shared one particular way that I had to receive some healing from them. But my family had a particular gift, and it was such a special gift. I have a sister who was born with significant special needs. So she's nonverbal. She's never been able to talk. She can't use her hands to do anything intentionally. She cannot take care of any of her own needs. And we've never been able to like actually communicate with her. But if you look at her in the eyes, you could never see a more pure love looking back. She has taught us so much about what it means to love without expecting to be loved in the same way, what it means to love selflessly and give of yourself without ever getting something back the way that you want to. And that's been really special, but what's been most special about it is that my parents weren't expecting that. They didn't plan to have a daughter who would be that way. I never heard them complain. 
I never once heard them say anything negative about the circumstances of their life. They embraced their cross with joy. And the one thing that my dad said to us that was like a deep thing, he said over and over again, and he said, girls, just sisters in my family, he said, girls, Brenda has taught us what it means to be loved and to love unconditionally. That is what the vocation of marriage is about. It's about accepting the will of God in your life with joy and choosing to enter into it. So when I meet them, the healing that happened to me for me was because I wanted only conditional love. And I only wanted to give conditional love. And I won't go on and on about it. But if you're someone like, if that like strikes you, you might be like me, that you want to be just loved because of what you can do for others. And it, when I saw this family and I was just like blown away, like I can't believe this unconditional love. And that was my healing that you were talking about earlier. Um, marriage is a, an opportunity to die to ourselves. I mean, we talk about the, the evangelical councils, yeah? Mm-hmm. Are for the religious. You guys, what are those? Poverty, chastity, and obedience. Are those just for the religious? No. They're, they're actually a sign. Religious life is a sign pointing us to the life of perfection. And we're, we're living lives of poverty, chastity, and obedience. It's taking these three incredible gifts that God has given us. Po- our poverty, possessions, chastity, our sexuality, and um, obedience, our freedom, these great gifts that God has given us, and we're totally submitting to this vocation. Lord, we're totally, that's, it's all yours. So it's this chance to give this life, to be, to live this life of perfection. We're wrapping up here, right? We're on wrapping the, on the, the On the marriage. marriage. So like, yeah. Now we're going to move into dating. Here comes dating. Really fast before we do, we just cannot not say, we cannot not say that Satan hates marriage. He doesn't want us to be married. Andrew already kind of referenced some of the different things happening in the culture. We know that. But as we move into the part about dating, I want to propose that how we date as Christian disciples striving for holiness can actually be an act of spiritual warfare against Satan's attack on marriage. So what we want to share with you coming up with some different dynamics about dating is that we really want to propose that this isn't just like an idea, but could actually be a form of spiritual warfare. Was okay. that too intense? She was wondering if that was going to be too intense. I don't think I that was too intense. Okay. Are you guys still with us? Can we, can we do the dating part? Okay, marriage. Do you guys want to get married? Do you think marriage is awesome? Marriage is awesome. You should. We should all want to get married. We should also all want to be celibate. We should want those things, and we should give it all totally to the Lord. Um, we were going to give like our testimony of our dating relationship. I think just like, like, you know, when she met me, I was wearing like socks and sandals and a, a plaid shorts from a thrift, thrift store and like, wasn't love at first sight. No, for sure. No, um, I still love the socks and sandals. It's going to come around. People are going to love that. Um, I, I may or may not have been part of like the team that like when she applied to be on mission to send her somewhere else to be on mission, not to be where I was, because we were, we were just really great friends, and it wasn't like this thing, I didn't have kind of like, you know, the safety, you know, I wasn't kind of like making sure she knew I liked her, and, and then she went away, and then we started dating later, and um, I, I, is there any other, like, we got, almost got arrested when I was proposing to you, I mean, there's just like some stuff like that, like, there, so, okay, just stand, standard dating relationship, okay, so, let's just talk about dating, dating should be intentional towards this vocation, okay? And that starts now. So, so your, your call to holiness begins now as you're preparing for dating or if you're in a dating relationship. We just want to say, hey, there's, there's a couple things. Like, a lot of us fall into the right person myth, okay? And the right person myth is if I marry the right person, everything will be perfect, I don't know if you thought that, but when you actually back up, you're like, oh yeah, actually kind of like, yeah, a lot of us do fall into the right person. And the problem with that is that um, 
you, you shouldn't be looking for the right person. You should be becoming the right person because you need to become the person that you were looking for is looking for. You know, like you need to become that person, like who the person you were looking for is looking for. You guys got it? Like that's, that's what needs to happen. So, so this readiness for marriage, readiness for dating needs to be when you're ready for marriage. Okay? You're kind of on that way because you need to be spiritually, personally, financially free to be able to like get married in 18 months. That's like typically when you should start dating. I mean, like when you actually start thinking about it. And um, because we're naturally made to progress. Now, this isn't like a... This is like a perspe- uh, prescriptive thing and like you can't date longer than that. But it gets harder the longer that you're dating like that. Um, and if, you're dating, if you should be ready to get married in the next 18 or so months, then that means you should be ready to have a kiddo in like two years and a few months. Like that's like, that's like real. Like you ready? <laughs> like that's real. I'm getting a couple nods. Like so we need to get ready for marriage um, as we're beginning to get ready for dating. So we just want to say a couple things about being ready, spiritually. So spiritually ready, spiritual readiness, means that you've made a fundamental decision for Jesus to be Lord of the whole of your life. You've allowed the Father to speak into your life about what it means to be a son or a daughter. You have, if you have significant areas where you need healing, you've gone about a process of looking for opportunities and ways to receive the healing you need. You're growing in detachment of your own plans and have actually spent an intentional time discerning your vocation. And you've ordered and prioritized praying in your daily life. And again, these, it's not like, okay, check the list, or like if you didn't, if you started dating and you don't have this in order, it's uh, game over or something, but it's going to be harder, okay? So that's why we're getting ready for marriage when, as we're getting ready for dating. Um, we got to be personally mature, okay? So responsible for the things in our life. Are we keeping our commitments, you know, work, school, study, prayer? Are, are we keeping, doing well with our time? Like, do we wake up to our alarm? Our alarm? Do we arrive places on time? Um, that's one of our differences, like early, just in time. Um, how, how much are you like wasting time on the internet or on video games? Like how does media impact you? Are you using media more like a child or how you would want your children to use media? Um, are you growing in character? Do you make your bed? Do you put your dishes away? How messy is your car? These kind, these kind of things. Again, you, you need to become the person that you're, the, the person that the person you're looking for is looking for, you know? Um, are you serving? Are you generous? Are you financially ready? Um, these are all important parts of being ready personally and mature to, to enter into marriage, which is this kind of, that's what dating is for. We believe it's really important to choose both community and mission as a priority in your relationship. The tendency when a couple starts dating, it's so exciting and there's so many emotions and you just kind of want to isolate um, and so we think it's really important to be intentional about this. Being a couple on mission starts with being a dating couple on mission. The kinds of patterns and approaches that are set up in the dating relationship affect the mindset that you're going to have later. And the intentionality that you have is going to affect the way you approach these things. Being a couple who prioritizes community and brotherhood and sisterhood, it's got to start today. Okay, so three P's here. We need to be prepared. Um, We've been kind of talking about that, so I don't think we need to say much more, except for I just want to say like a fundamental principle that I'd encourage you to take a hold of is, hey, I'm going to postpone dating until I'm clear and free and ready to move toward marriage. That's, a, that's kind of a fundamental principle to wrestle with. I, I want to be ready for marriage when I'm entering into dating. Um, you, we just said a lot about that. Um, part of this being prepared, we also want to say, is a, an amazing way to do that is to take a season to be intentionally single. And when I was in your seat, and this was being said, I, I remember the room I was in. It was in Chelsea, Michigan, and random. And it's, uh, yeah, I... They, and I was like, no way, 
okay, that's radical. I started just like, the, it just clicked, and then the next week, you know, the next week in class, after I made the commitment, psych class, and there, there she was, and I was like, that's her, maybe I shouldn't have made that commitment, you know, it wasn't her, um, you know, and, and, you know, there was another time where it was like, I turned around on a highway to drive back to a different state, so I was going to go, like, I, I need to see her again, it wasn't, like, it was, you know, like, no, but I was in these, you know, I was just, like, battling this commitment, but I am so grateful for the one year that became multiple years in my, my call in life, to say yes to be single for a season. That's when I grew in so much virtue. I grew in so much brotherhood with these deep relationships that I have to this day. And that's when SPO at Ohio State was founded. There was like this crazy mission that started happening in my life. And I'm just so grateful for that time. Anything that's single for a season? Did you do that? You did, yeah. I did do that. Um, for me, being single for a season, so I was single for a season for a few years also. And for me, my experience was that it really gave me the freedom to go all in for community and for mission. And there's lots of, you know, lots of people can go all in. But for me, being able to actually not just not be dating, but to have made a decision that I'm not going to be dating. So there's like a difference. Like I'm not just not dating, but I'm actually made a decision I'm not going to be dating just gave me the freedom to think about my life and my schedule and my margins, not with expectations or hopes of what might fill them, but to actually give of my whole life to spend Friday nights, you know, with the girls I was meeting in my classes or to plan a Bible study or an adventure for the girls that I was reaching out to, rather than, I, I think, just to be brutally honest, I think if I hadn't made that intentional decision and the commitment to not be single, I would have guarded my schedule a little more and hoped that, you know, maybe Friday night, like, the guy I'm attracted to, maybe not him. <laughs> um, and so people will be hanging out, and that would be really fun, and I really think I would have approached my schedule and my time in a different way. Secondly, um, purposeful. Okay, so we're prepared. We want to go about dating in a prepared way. We want to go about it in a purposeful way. I mean, this is just about kind of pacing. There's this beautiful section in Love and Responsibility by Carol Wojtyla, who became John Paul II, um, that talks about moving from sympathy to friendship, moving from kind of like the emotional sparks to the kind of like deep agape love, and how that can't just happen overnight. And he describes it has to happen over time, and it has to. There's, it's good that there's sparks in emotion but that has to get kind of grounded into this agape love. Otherwise, there's not going to be sparks in emotion for very long. You got it? And so there's things that we can do to kind of really cultivate sparks in emotion and an overly emotional foundation. And I'm not going to go through them all. You can talk about that with your small group or like maybe your formation mentor. But there's things that we can do that, that can be unhelpful to create more of an emotional foundation that doesn't help us for long, the long term. And I'm really grateful that I heard this statement and I explored that. That helped me um, lead our relationship with a kind of pace that allowed for this friendship to happen that's given us the kind of unity and, and communication that we have today. It's really, it's really special. A couple notes about contentment. Waiting on the Lord is hard work. There is, my kids do Catechist of the Good Shepherd. And in these atriums where they're experiencing the Lord, um, they talk about, you know, somebody's using the materials you want to use. What are you doing? You're doing the work of waiting. And I love that my kids are hearing that waiting is work because it is hard work. And really throughout our whole lives, there's so many seasons of waiting. We're waiting for dating, waiting for engagement, waiting for marriage, waiting for kids, waiting for a new job, waiting for a promotion, waiting to buy a house, waiting for retirement, waiting for grandkids. I mean, I think, you know, waiting for vacation, I don't know, waiting for spring break, waiting for the semester to be over. There's so many seasons of waiting, and it's really in these seasons I think the Lord wants us to dig deeper and he wants to speak to us. Women, sometimes I think we want to rush the men. I don't know if you ever feel like that. Maybe this is like just totally something I experienced. But I just want to say, if he's not ready, 
You don't want to date him. I think I think you have a challenge for the men coming. I know. Oh yeah, the men. Okay, so this is our last. This is kind of like our last. Okay, we have we're T minus. We're thirty seconds over right now. Okay, we're gonna wrap this up. Um, okay, pure. Number three is pure. I just want to challenge you guys to to be radical, and to live in the light and get some get some input here, from your, your some people are a little further along the way. Um, no one ever wished they would have been more physical earlier. And this is definitely one of the ways we can really stir up a lot of emotional attachment early. Um, I was with one of my, my sons, so you gotta put yourself in my shoes, and he saw a picture of two people that we know and they, they were kissing in this picture. And he was like, Dad, why are they kissing? And he's like, and he was just kind of like puzzled. And I was like, well, some, you know, I was like, yeah, it's not, not that big of a deal, you know. And, uh, but it just was kind of like, he's like, are they engaged? And I was like, well, that's a good question. And, and then I was like, some people kiss like that before they're engaged. And he's like, did you and mom? And I was like, oh, man, we did. Like, we did. We, we, did, we, didn't, we weren't perfect here. And I'm, like, ashamed to say that. I'm saying that to my kid that I didn't live the high bar that I preach. And, and we fell short of that. So I just wanted to like share that with you because it was just like really brutal. And I don't know if you can put yourself in my shoes, but maybe that will like inspire you to the high bar. I, I wish I would have led a relationship and in, in such a way that we wouldn't have gotten um, a little more physical. Like not, you know, not this isn't crazy, but like I just wish we would have been a little more radical here. And the kind of radical thing that I wish um, that I think is really healthy and beautiful is if there's not, there's not pictures of you kissing um, on the wall, it's not, you're not doing more than a goodnight kiss before you're, and like a peck, you know, like, uh, you're like, mom, I'm kissing you, mom, like, uh, before, before you're engaged, like, like, you guys kiss your mom, do you kiss your mom, you guys don't like that, okay, um, there's no, there's, there really, there's not a lot of reasons for more than that kind of something, that, let me change it, how about this, how about, how about this, the, the new standard that I'm going to lay out, can you delete this, can you edit this, yeah. is how would you kiss your girlfriend in front of your parents? How about that? That's, that's the kind of kiss I think you should be, that's like a good physical boundary before marriage. I wish we would have lived more to that, and we, we've, uh, we've finished stronger than we started. Great. So my note now is about guarding your heart. In general... Women have to work really hard to guard their hearts, like really hard. And we don't want to suppress all of our desires. Our desires are given by God. So it's not about pretending like he's not attractive, because probably he's attractive. And that's okay to recognize that he's attractive. But it's about where we let our thoughts and our minds and our hearts go after we notice that. So men, really quickly, we can go from having a little bit more intimate conversation with a guy and starting to imagine that perfect podcast and what it might be like to maybe host that with you someday. So I want to challenge you. This is for the men. I want to challenge you. If you tell a girl that you like her, you better be ready to follow through. If you tell a girl you like her, you better be ready to follow through. 
So I don't get very angry very easily. <laughs> but <laughs> over the years, when I have met with women and heard what a man has said or done or expressed when he wasn't planning to follow through, it's like, ah! What were you thinking? Even, and maybe especially if you like her, you might be thinking that you're putting her at ease, taking away her wonder, you know, so she's not wondering and thinking, what does he mean by this? But you're actually not helping. You're becoming more of a distraction when, if you're not ready, she should be free. <laughs> she should be free to be looking to the Lord, looking to her sisters, to be on mission, and not distracted by you. But ladies, just really quick. One more thing. We're not off the hook either. We do have to guard our hearts. And we have to listen to what the guys are actually saying and not what we want them to be saying. So. <laughs> she's like fire. Yeah, love it. Um, we just took a risk here. I, I, I just want to say it. Like, we're taking a risk, us up here, but SPO as well, talking about this. And I, I hope you hear everything that we've said in that light, that this is like because we love you and we've learned some things and we've seen a lot of things and we really want this area to be uh, an incredible blessing, and it is. So the last thing I want you taking away is like, rules and checklists and all that, like, we've just taken a risk by actually talking about something that a lot of people don't talk about. And so we hope this has been a blessing. Um, we really think that us looking at dating in a, in a transformed way is going to bring about transformed marriages. It's going to transform the world. So thanks for, for saying yes to that and to your vocation. We're praying for you. All right, that's it. Yeah.